Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Stu Hodum with Believe in the Media Guide on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? With the Bucks signing Tom Brady and a report that Major League Baseball will play regular season games in realigned divisions in the Grapefruit League, Tampa Bay has become an epicenter for sports during the COVID-19 pandemic. As he prepares for his ninth season as a host and play-by-play announcer with the Tampa Bay Rays, Neil Solons joins us to talk about Tampa Bay, the Rays, and more. Neil has called college athletics in a number of different markets on radio and TV, including ESPN+. The last seven years, he's done most of his work for the ASUN when he's not doing his work for the Rays. He also did one of the Olympic qualifiers in Korea last year. You can follow Neil on Twitter at Neil Solons, all one word. That's N-E-I-L-S-O-L-O, N as in Nathan, D as in David, Z as in Zebra. And listen to him on RaysBaseball.com slash podcast and the Tampa Bay Rays podcast on Apple Podcasts. Neil Solons, welcome to Believe in the Media Guide. How are you today? Good. How are you? Nice to chat with you, Stu. Good to chat with you. And uh, as I say, you are in the center of the sports universe right now. (laughs) And as Tom Brady moves into Derek Cheater's Davis Islands estate, what's the buzz in the Bay? And where does this Buccaneers signing rank among sports stories in your time in Tampa? Yeah, I mean, look, I've lived in in this market now, as you mentioned, for this is the ninth season. So I don't have obviously the full expanded feel as Um, Some may, but I mean, it's certainly substantial. Um, And it's also a little different to catch the buzz when you're home versus you're kind of out there chatting with fans on a regular basis in person um, and other sportscasters in person and kind of getting that buzz. But I I definitely think that, you know, you start to when you're reading and seeing, you know, how it's how it's grabbed the market and just the impact on, on the Twitterverse and social media. Obviously, it's very impactful. You know, how impactful it is on the field. You know, obviously, the the Buccaneers franchise hopes so. And, you know, as someone who's in this market, I'm hoping that all franchises in this market do well. Uh, Obviously, first and foremost with the Rays. But, you know, I think it's always good when the other franchises, the Lightning and the Bucks, um, and even the universities are doing, like USF, are doing well. So um, I don't think it can do anything but help overall. Mm -hmm. And... The Bucks have a real uh, vested interest this year because they host the Super Bowl coming up at the end of the 2020 season. Um, the odds for their Super Bowl chances surged, and they became the fifth favorite, 16 to one, behind the Chiefs, Ravens, 49ers, and NFC South rival the Saints. It's probably tough until we know the full state of not only mm-hmm. the world but uh, free agency, the draft, and everything coming up. But um, do you have a sense heading into Bruce Arians' second year how the uh, Bucks might shape up with Brady? I mean, that's, that's hard for me to say. I mean, you're, uh, as a baseball guy, I'll give you my football opinion, and, and that <laughs> is that they're going to be very competitive. I mean, I think their defense was probably better as the year went on last year. They've obviously got explosive wide receivers on either side. Um, you know, if, if they are able to establish some sort of running game to create that balance, um, I think it makes them all the more dangerous. 
Um, obviously, you've got you know you've got Drew Brees coming back, which makes you know it's, you still have a, a really fierce competitor within your own division. Um, so that will make that challenging. And you mentioned some of the other teams. I mean, um, you know, we know Kansas City is going to be good for a long time to come with Pat Mahomes at the at the helm. So um, it doesn't necessarily make them the favorite, but it certainly, as you mentioned, and your odds say that makes them a much more compelling. Um, interesting franchise to watch from a national level uh, and obviously from a local level too. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and Fox has already been meeting with advertisers and promoting the fact they're going to have Bucks games and a Bucks breeze um, or, you know, matchup will be awesome. But as you say, really the, the meat and the sandwich of this podcast is baseball. And today, as we're taping this April 13th, the Rays would have hosted the Houston Astros. And after taking the Astros to a deciding fifth game in last year's division series and with Houston's cheating scandal uncovered in the offseason, what kind of a reception do you think they would have received uh, this afternoon? Probably wouldn't have been the warmest one from the fans, (laughs) um, which is understandable. But at the same time, there's nothing that was found that impacted the 2019 season. This was all based on 17 and conjecture and different players had different feelings um, based on what occurred. Some, you know, were moving forward and said the MLB did their investigation. That is what it is. And others said, well, I can't help but wonder what might have happened, whether anything was different. And who knows? Um, the fact of the matter is the World Series played out. The Nationals won it fair and square and they were very, very deserving. And I think for, from my perspective, the excitement level is probably, um, you know, the fact that you were playing a really tough schedule in the month of April um, and that if you could get out of that in good shape, it puts you in that much better of a position to get where you wanted to be, which is to get back to the postseason to eventually hopefully get to a World Series again. Yeah, and one win away from the LCS last year um, in the offseason, the Rays traded Tommy Pham to San Diego for Hunter Renfro. They signed slugger Yoshitomo Susugo. Uh, MLB.com is wondering whether Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, and Tyler Glass now are the best top of a rotation in baseball, and you've got uh, MLB's top prospect in shortstop Wander Franco. How are the Rays coming together in Port Charlotte, and what are your expectations for 2020? You know, before all this happened, um, I was feeling really good and excited um, because I think a lot of the way a a marathon, and that's what baseball is, it really is a marathon, comes together. It depends a lot upon the health of a team. And at least at the start of the year, it appeared the Rays were going to begin the year healthy. You know, what was so amazing about last year, and you mentioned getting to the LDS and uh, winning 96 regular season games, was that they had 24 different players on the injured list. They played 57 different players and 33 pitchers. And usually if you were to just say those three facts, it would result or lead into a team that wasn't very competitive. And the fact that they were really spoke to the overall depth that the franchise had acquired and and put together and the terrific job that Kevin Cash and his coaching staff did um, in terms of keeping the mentality of next man up, which is really, really hard to do, um, you know, when you're playing in, I think the most competitive division, not only in baseball, but really in pro sports. Um, You know, I I think the AL East is as challenging as any division in in any game. 
now speaking of divisions and alternate realities, which is kind of what we're in right now, um, last week USA Today reported that Major League Baseball is considering a radical realignment for the regular season with teams returning to their spring training complexes and the champions of the Grapefruit and Cactus Leagues playing in a late November World Series, potentially at Tropicana Field. Uh, you know, having living in Florida and, and going through, like you say, nine spring trainings and spring trainings prior to that, what do you think a, a Grapefruit League regular season would look like? And you mentioned the AL East being as competitive as it is. How would the Rays fare against its South Division opponents, Atlanta, Baltimore, <laughs> Boston, and Minnesota? Well, I mean, the, the thing is, is that a lot of that is speculation right now. And there's been that, there's been the thought that the, you know, there's been another report that the Rays could then play a Tropicana field and the divisions would realign or they could be in Arizona. You know, there's been that thrown out there of all 30 teams being in Arizona. So, you know, I, I think the good is that Major League Baseball is exhausting any option it has in terms of figuring out how to get the teams on the field how to maximize the schedule as best they can. Um, but I think they're also doing it um, in regards to the important things, which is, you know, staying at home, following precautions, listening to experts flatten the curve. So we get to a point where we're actually talking about the baseball on the field um, versus, you know, the speculation of what may take place. Because, I mean, I think it was Dr. Fauci who said it best, uh, the, you know, we don't determine the timeline, the virus determines the timeline. So a lot of that is going to really determine what eventually kind of comes out of all this. I hate to continue down the speculation path, but <laughs> when you talk Tampa, especially from a national perspective, um, I look back to February when MLB Commissioner Rob Branford called the Rays plan to play games in Montreal, which would start in 2028, a quote, really legitimate effort to try to preserve baseball in Florida for the benefit of the Rays fans, end quote. Um, would a Grapefruit League regular season help spur fan interest in Florida, do you think? I don't, I don't know if, if, you know, I think they're almost two separate um, mm-hmm. issues or questions. And I, and I, you know, the, the one thing is that, you know, obviously with what's gone on with coronavirus and um, baseball being suspended, it's taken a lot of that attention away and more of the attention has been on, you know, when do they get back on the field? And I think regardless, um, there was tremendous enthusiasm just for this team and this season. Um, and I think a lot of it was borne out in how last year finished. And I know it ended in an ALCS, ALDS game five loss. But prior to that, um, game three and four were probably the most energetic, enthusiastic games that I can remember in my eight seasons prior. Um, you know, when the Rays played the Red Sox in the postseason, there still was a, fan, a, a certain number of Red Sox fans that came. When the Rays are selling, you know, 35,000 tickets at Tropicana Field to play Houston, there weren't many Astros fans. They were all Rays fans. And there was a lot of um, great energy in the building. And it was um, you know, there was chance of, you know, Jimon Choi as if he was kind of had become a cult figure hero and it was generated by the fans. It wasn't generated by noise, you know, the, the, the PA system or, or someone urging them on. It was organic. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it, to me, that's what, like, I, when I walked away from the end of last season, I'm like, boy, this is really, really cool. I hope we can do this again. 
Um, and I think speaking to a lot of fans in the off season, that's the kind of thing that I heard probably more often than not was how much fun that was and how much they were hoping that, you know, that was, and I think the beginning um, of a team kind of on the upswing uh, versus anything else, because it was the first playoff appearance in six years. And you mentioned Wander Franco earlier. Um, the organization has had the best winning percentage in minor league baseball two years running and the best farm system in baseball a couple of years running now. So I think all of that kind of was pointing toward, you know, a lot of positives. Yeah. I want to get back to minor league baseball in a bit, but uh, what your uh, team is doing as broadcasters over the weekend, your flagship station, WDAE rebroadcast a key 2019 series with the Indians on the raised road to that wild card that eventually led to the uh, LDS. How are you preparing for this season and what are the Rays doing um, in this time that we have before the season starts? Individually, you know, obviously I think anyone who's involved in the game misses it just like the fans do, but I try and prep now as if we're going to have a full regular season. And so every day I'm doing some sort of preparation on some sort of team in addition to just keeping my mind and my body as right as I possibly can, because I think that when you're dealing with something like this, that none of us have ever encountered, um, you know, the best way to handle it is to have a good mental and physical approach day by day. Um, and, and I'm trying not to look too far ahead. Um, in terms of the team, I think they've done an incredibly good job in a lot of different ways of keeping engaged. You know, from a broadcast standpoint, you know, on the radio side, which is where I make my home the majority of the time, um, we've had a great relationship with our flagship, which is carrying five games a week and uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday nights, and then Saturday and Sunday daytime, um, which I think is giving people fill of a lot of replay games. Uh, I'm doing at least a podcast a week, you know, with different players um, and, and media and the like, and this giving fans new fresh content that they can download at any point. And we're sending out video clips too, so that we have kind of some balance and, and different, you know, uh, ability to kind of, um, you know, create even more as we go. Um, and then uh, TV separately has been rebroadcasting a lot of different race games, some from last year. They're doing some from the from further in the in the the memory banks um, that I think people will enjoy. Um, and then as an organization, you know, I think our, you know. We, we always talk about, um, you know, that, that our, our goal is you know, to create the, you know, the, this magic of race baseball throughout our, and energize our community through the magic of race baseball. And, um, you know, I think the most positive, uh, the, the most noteworthy thing was that, you know, they aligned with Feeding Tampa Bay and have been in the midst of a food drive where they've already, I think, as we speak, close to 90% of their goal of, you know, hopefully, um, uh, getting, you know, the contributions of nearly 4 million meals um, into those in need, which, you know, obviously with the unemployment going up is, is a major need in the community. Um, so there's that, that's probably the most prominent, but they've taken care of game day employees and, um, and their full-time um, folks. And, you know, they found different ways to integrate within the community too, uh, whether it's getting pizza for, hospitals um, and healthcare workers throughout the area. Um, um, those are probably the most prominent. And then I think our players have been active too. Um, you know, Blake Snell being on, on Twitch and playing MLB The Show, mm -hmm. um, I think gives fans entertainment. 
And I think it's a really, really great value and it allows players to engage with fans on a level that for many, they don't have the chance to do. That's a great point. Um, and even Homer does Willie Adamos the other day I saw. Um, <laughs> so um, the uh, feeding Tampa Bay guest um, president, I think you had on your podcast. Um, we wanted to give a shout out to the website that anybody, you don't have to be in the Tampa area to help out donate.feedingtampabay.org slash teaming up. And that's a great effort. And I saw, I think, um, in your Tropicana Field parking lot on Saturdays, as long as you have food, you're able to give it to um, the community. So it's great outreach. Um, Thank the, you. Yeah, yeah, no, um, definitely promote that. Uh, so you mentioned Kevin Cash earlier. Um, it's hard to believe he's beginning his sixth season as a manager there for as long as and, and as prominent as Joe Madden was in that area. Um, what's it like working with Kevin Cash versus Madden and having, you know, maybe knowing Madden a little bit, how do you think he'll do when he heads back to the Angels where he was a bench coach for forever? Well, uh, let's answer the second first. I mean, I think Joe's going to do well wherever he goes, just as he did well with the Rays and did well with the Cubs and I'm sure he'll do well with the Angels. You know, I think he'd be the first to tell you that you're only as good as your players though. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, he wasn't um, uh, a bad manager in 06 and 07 um, or in 2014 when the Rays teams were under 500. Um, just as he, you know, he, he wasn't a bad manager then, just as he was the same person. Um, and I think that's probably what makes him um, is well-liked in the game as he's been is because I think he is the same person all the way through. And I think in a very similar vein, um, Kevin Cash is very true to himself. Um, I think both are very, very good communicators in their own way. Um, you know, I think that Kevin is, um, is also a terrific tactician. You know, one thing that Joe didn't have to worry about so much was the opener and how to handle that. And that really developed out of injury and necessity under Kevin. And he handled it so well, you know, Dave Wills and Andy Freed are play by play guys on a regular basis, you know, said that you know, at one point that Kevin probably has to manage the game more than any manager in baseball because he had to manage sometimes from the second inning on mm -hmm. um, sometimes even the first inning on. And most guys didn't have to worry about that. So, you know, I, I think that's where he is, a is really sees the game extremely well. But I think he also delegates. He's got good people around him. He is um, very self-deprecating, um, but I think also very comfortable in his own skin. And I think you add all those qualities up, um, and that's what makes him one of the better managers in the game today. And it's hard to believe he's one of the most senior managers with an individual team Mm -hmm. When you mention the number of years he's been managing, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, you talked minor leagues earlier, and I know that's um, special to you. You're the former voice of the Durham Bulls, uh, the Rays AAA affiliate, and you've had experience in other markets and with other teams. Um, there had already been contraction discussions before this pandemic, and now we've got the uncertainty of the 2020 season. Um, knowing how much gate um, revenue is is really driving uh, a driving force within minor league baseball. What impact do you think we'll see on uh, MILB as um, you know teams lose dates? I do worry a lot about um, you know a lot of friends and you know they're almost like family. I spent 12 years in the game and 
obviously, you know, you worry about your, you know, the, the, the state of the game overall, because I, I think Major League Baseball is doing so many good things right now um, to try during this time to engage with fans and try and be positive. And, you know, we mentioned Blake Snell, but MLB has done a whole MLB The Show initiative to try and keep fans engaged on, on that end. And, and they've done a lot of good community stuff in terms of helping game day employees and minor league baseball. They've actually, you know, helped fund and, and, and pay for the minor league players to receive some sort of salary. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I again, the, unfortunately, the virus is going to determine the timeline of all this. Um, but you're right in that minor league baseball is even more dependent than the majors on gate revenue because in most cases, I would say almost all cases, minor league baseball doesn't have uh, media contracts that create a lot of revenue for teams. It's ticket revenue and sponsorship revenue and food revenue um, or concession revenue that are gonna supply teams with you know, the majority of their revenue. And, and um, you know, I think like a lot of different industries um, at this point in time, we're all kind of trying to figure out, okay, how, how do we keep this going in a way that when things do emerge, because they will, um, at some point, whether it's a vaccine or whatever it may be, we'll be able to come out of this on the other side. And the question is how you do it in the most positive way. There are probably people a lot smarter than me that can figure that out. You know, I'm just hoping and, and thinking about my friends and touching base with them on a, a, a fairly regular basis just to check in, see how they're doing. Um, their health and safety is first and foremost. And then hopefully at some point we emerge and everybody's gonna be at least are going to the, the game will emerge okay teams will emerge okay and it'll lead to a positive end, end result mm -hmm. yeah no, that's great um and going back even further in your career at Rutgers you created the Big mm -hmm. East Radio Network with your sports director peers in the conference including Bob Wischusen at Boston College and Dave Pash at Syracuse and listeners will know them for their work at ESPN, but all three of you, that class has had, you know, great careers. Um, I was wondering, you know, at this point in, in your career now, like you say, nine years in with Tampa, what goals do you have? Uh, what, you know, bucket list items might you have? <laughs> well, um, when you put me next to Bob with shoes and cash, <laughs> I kind of feel like which one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> uh, please. No, you're all in the same boat. And, and I think I think even though they were not a member of the Big East, I think Mark Vandermeer, who has yeah, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. been been with Houston for uh, at the NFL level for many years, was with mm -hmm. Penn State at the time. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of talented people in that in that league, and I was just fortunate to um, you know have a, a career doing what I love, which is sports. Um, you know, I, I would love to be part of an organization that ends up in the World Series. Um, to you know the taste of being, you know, I was in the playoffs, was part of a, a broadcast team in the playoffs in 13. And when you're gone uh, from the postseason for six years, that genuine taste of satisfaction and enjoyment of being in a clubhouse when the guys are pouring the champagne and, and seeing the, the smiles on their faces and the hugs and the, all the hard work that's gone in and being able to relay that story is, is a lot of fun. And, it would be so much fun to be able to take that two steps further from the ES to the CS to the World Series and be part of a championship club. It's not something you have control over. Um, you know, that was um, elite 
you know, you mentioned at the top, I was fortunate enough to go to Korea for a pre-Olympic qualifying event. Um, you know, I, I, um, it would be wonderful to someday, you know, be part of, of a WBC or an Olympic event at some, in some way, shape or form. But if it's not in the cards, um, I understand that too. You know, I think the bigger thing is having as positive an impact um, on, on your organization as you possibly can, on your family as you possibly can, um, and then just doing not only for your organization, but things within your community that have a, make a difference. Yeah. Um, you talked about radio being your main um, focus, but uh, you also have television work with yeah. the Rays. Um, I guess uh, besides makeup, uh, what would be the preparation and process uh, and how they differ for each medium? Um, you know, I, I think in TV, your analyst is always going to be your star and you're trying to make your analyst shine as much as possible while also bringing light to the great stories where in radio, um, it's a contrast. You know, your focus is on creating that word picture that doesn't exist. Whereas on TV, you're amplifying it. Um, you're accentuating it. You're providing accents to a painting that already is pretty nice. And you're just trying to make it go from one level to another. Um, on the broadcast level, I think, you know, radio provides much, much different challenges. Um, I really enjoy both of them. Um, I think both you can still tell a really, really good story and good homework and good relationships and good storytelling along with good people usually lead to a good broadcast, whether you're on radio or TV. So um, you, we talked about the podcast um, and uh, some great content with Austin Meadows and um, Joey Wendell uh, showing you his home gym um, in, in Pennsylvania. Um, and uh, I was hoping Austin would take the bait on what uh, is the oldest piece of food in his pantry, but uh, didn't really get into that. But um, any uh, teasers for upcoming content, whether it be the podcast or upcoming rebroadcasts um, that we should look forward to? So um, we're doing, as mentioned, five games a week um, on our flagship. And, and some of our affiliates are now looking to carry some of the games too, which is great um, throughout the state of Florida. Um, and then Tyler Glassnow will be one of my guests for an upcoming podcast we do. Um, and, you know, we're looking at maybe even doing some different things as we go forward. Um, you know, I, I've, I've thought about the idea of when I do a separate program with X players, since we talk about, you know, getting into the World Series, some of those 08 players are now retired. You know, mm -hmm. how are they handling the pandemic and their lives after baseball? You know, because sometimes we forget about those people and they've had such a positive impact because of the memories they've created for so many of our fans that I think our fans would love to see them, hear them, find out what they're doing with their lives right now. Um, because for most of us, a lot is on hold. Um, we're adjusting to working at, in a house or um, in a basement or <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a smaller room than we're accustomed to. And other than walking the dog, I, Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, you don't see a ton of sunlight. Um, yeah. So I think we're all kind of trying to figure all that out. And, and the more entertainment value we can give to our fans and give them an escape from it all, I think kind of the better. Yeah, the interview with Brian Anderson, one of your analysts, I thought put a lot in perspective for where we are right now. He thought he may have had the, the virus mm -hmm. um, with the um, sickness that he had that he's overcome, thankfully. 
But um, just wondering if there are any um, highlights from that that you could share with listeners to help us through this time. Yeah, I, I think the key thing is that, um, you know, you're doing things to keep your mind right on a daily basis. I think he, he talked about, you know, maybe not spending as much time with the news. Get, get what you need, yeah. but don't become engrossed in it so that it brings you down. Um, you know, I think he's working out on a daily basis and, and I'm trying to do the same from home. Obviously I'm not a, you know, a, a guy with a 15 year big league career, but I think for all of us, right. some level of physical exercise is really important to keep our bodies right because if your body's right, you're going to stay healthier. And then I think maybe keeping your mind right, whether it's reading a book, listening to a podcast, you want to binge watch something that is enjoyable and gets you away or whether you're watching an SNL stay at home, uh, edition, whatever it may be, you know, to me, I think any of that is important and then find ways to improve yourself. Um, uh, you know, we didn't talk about that this much on the podcast, but I'm spending an hour a day working on my Spanish. Um, because obviously we have a, a lot of players who are bilingual and a lot of prospects. Um, and I want to make myself as conversant as possible. And now you have the time. So why not take the time and, and make the most of it? And it may not be a language, it could be a skill on a computer, it could be whatever you, you deem as valuable to help your overall skill set. Why not take that extra time now rather than spend it um, or that energy on something that's going to bring you down? Do something that's going to bring you up and say, hey, look what I accomplished today. Look what I did yesterday. Look at the steps I'm making forward as a human being. Yeah, well, that's just great perspective. And um, we really thank you very much for your time. Um, Neil Solons, uh, thanks again. Of course, great to chat with you, Stu. Nice to, nice to connect again and uh, glad you could spell my name. Most people can. <laughs> you taught me well. Um, and you can follow Neil on Twitter, speaking of that, at Neil Solons, all one word. That's N-E-I-L-S-O-L-O-N, as in Nathan, D as in David, Z as in Zebra, and listen to him on Rays Radio and at RaysBaseball.com slash podcast, the Tampa Bay Rays podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact the podcast on Twitter at Rays Radio or email postgame at RaysBaseball.com. So thanks for listening to Believe in the Media Guide. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes. We're also available on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Find us at Believe.com. That's, this is a spelling bee, B-L-E-A-V.com. And on social at Believe Podcast and at Believe Sports. I'm on Twitter at Hotem, and for good measure, that's H-O-T-H-E-M as in Mary. Stay tuned and stay safe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.